Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. I'm excited to welcome my guest today, Amit Pandey, to the show. He is the CEO of Velocity Snack Brands, which may not be a household name, but maybe you heard of Pop Chips. And they are a data and digital driven, better for you snacking platform with a portfolio of iconic brands in the salty snacks, sweets, and nutrition category nutrition bar category, like pop chips I just mentioned. And prior to joining BSB, Pandi served as a president and CEO of Arctic Zero, a low-calorie ice cream, bootstrapping the brand from inception to over 18,000 doors. And prior to becoming an operator, he was a member of the founding team of the private equity firm HGGC, currently serves as a board member on Naturally Network, Dang, Dang Foods. What's Dang Foods? Tell me about that. And Bright Foods. And I'm excited to share his story and unlock my lifetime supply of pop chips. Let's get to it. Amit, welcome to the show, my man. Welcome to the podcast. Ah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. My first question is, I, I, I didn't get, and one of the perks about being a host is I usually get samples and I don't see my box of pop chips here. Who do I talk I, to I, about this? I, I, I know some people. I can, <laughs> uh, I, I, let, 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 me, let, let me have some people send you some stuff, but... Uh, well, you can find it in most grocery stores, as you as you probably uh, know. I'll, I'll support the cause there, but it's interesting too because I, I worked early in my career. I remember we had our first conversation. I was telling you my first job was at um, a little company called Vitamin Water, and I literally had I was like drowning in it. Like you have so much of it. Like isn't that the thing working in the in the CPG space or in the food space? You're always just samples and trying and everything. Like how how do you how do you manage? Well, you can't see it here, but in my office, my whole desk on this side is covered with samples. The floor is covered with samples. Um, you know, it's 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 you, you gotta love what you do, right? You gotta love the food. You gotta love love the industry, and and a lot of it is just sharing with other other you know other brands, other fans, and people who are passionate. So I, I just I I love it. I, it's like Christmas morning every day that I get a box from from a brand or from That's our great. plant or our innovation team on what we're working on next. So I, I I loved getting those products. You never know what you're going to get. So let's back it up a little bit. You know, the podcast is about, you know, career journeys. And we'd love to dissect and unpack how someone gets to the point of the career where, where you're at here. So um, let's talk a little bit about Arctic Zero. But before we even do that, right, you know, going back to the early days, like, was there always like, I mean, was, was is food a passion of yours as a category? Like, how was this a chosen path for you? I, you know, I, I, I never I never thought I would be a, a food and bev guy. Like, I... um. You know, I, I I grew up I grew up pretty poor, uh, blue collar, and you know, food wasn't something other 
you know, other than just fuel, like just something to eat. It wasn't something I really focused on brands. I wasn't focused on, it was always like, let's buy the cheapest thing that <laughs> you can afford. And, um, and, and, and it's one of those things that, uh, uh, I, I sort of grew up in around the grocery stores. My, my, you know, my mom worked in a grocery store, uh, you know, I bagged for a little while. And so, I've always just been curious about it, and and you know, I frankly have sort of been an entrepreneur my whole life. Um, from when I was little, I was always trying to, you know, make deals and always trying to sell stuff that I had, and um, and so for me, um, kind of becoming an entrepreneur was was always a lifelong and, journey. And was there that early? Were you like, did you have a newspaper around? I mean, you mentioned bagging groceries, but where was that first entrepreneur? Like, what, what was the first thing you sold, kind of on your own? Um, so my parents had, uh, a small card and gift store. Um, and so I, I often worked there as a kid afternoons, weekends. And so, you know, I, 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 I've sort of sold a lot of stuff, uh, at their, at their place. But I would say that even when I was younger, I found ways to, uh, to sell stuff. Like when I was in third grade and our, and our teacher had us set up like little, little booths to sell stuff. I went and bought like all the pencils from this one guy and yeah, bought all smart. the pads from this other guy. And then like I upsold it right uh, to everyone. Margins, um, baby. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I, I used to collect cans and uh, and found a way to capitalize on that where, you know, each can you'd go to the the, the little box uh at the grocery store and you put the cans in, you get a nickel out. And I found out like my friends like like Skittles. So I would like pay them in, for the cans in individual Skittles. Um, you know, I, I sold, uh, I sold car wash tickets and then washed cars on the weekends. Um, always a hustler. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I've always, I've always worked hard. I, I think, uh, most people, you know, I'm comfortable saying I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room, but I've always been willing to just work harder than anybody. That's what um, it's about, man. It's about, it's about, you know, put, putting in the work and it, and, and, Hard work will be talent any 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 day of the week, especially especially lazy talent there. So let's fast forward. You know your first company, uh, Arctic Zero, which was a low calorie, lactose free frozen snack brand. You self funded it with your partners. How how did your team bootstrap Arctic Zero into a profitable company? Give us a little bit of the insight. Yeah, we just didn't pay anybody for three years. That's so one way to do it, folks. <laughs> and there's your key takeaway here on the podcast today: just don't pay anyone, and you will be profitable. Money I mean, I in, think, no money out. Okay, got but it. Basically, I mean, part part of it is you have to have good margins, and I and I spend a lot of my time talking to anybody I can that margins are the entire game. And if you can if you can have great margins, then when you sell a product, you can return more than the value of the cost of that product. And you know, if you're willing to you know sacrifice and live out of a garage and like just really bootstrap. You can you can you can make a lot of things happen, but we really just focused on executing perfectly, and we made sure that we we made money on every unit. Which I think a lot of brands are so focused on gaining distribution these days, and they don't focus at all on profitability or on margins or like it really. It, it might work in the short term, but inevitably, it, it's not sustainable. 
So let's pause on that for a moment. So you're saying if a new product is coming to market, really focus on a obviously the quality of the product. That's that's first and foremost. It has to taste, at least some food has to taste good, right? But let's <laughs> but let's but let's figure out that margin first. But correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes greater margins are found by scaling, and that's where you're finding the efficiencies, right? Like from a production, from a supply chain standpoint, especially in the food and bev category. Of course, but I think that everyone believes that they can grow. You know, Shelf if you space. lose money on the first unit and you sell a million units at that same margin, you're gonna lose a million times whatever you lost on that first unit. And exactly. I think people people don't. I I think part of creating the right product at the beginning is making sure that you've you've mapped the path to scale. Right. So you want to make sure that you have the margins on that initial run, and then as you grow, you're able to increase those margins. Whereas I think I've seen so many brands where the margins are in the teens, uh, and and it's just not sustainable. You can't you can't pay to support your product on the shelf, and you can't pay uh, to acquire the right talent and 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 to sustain the the business. That yeah, so so well said. So um, you know, after bootstrapping, you know, Arctic and resisting outside capital for so long, you know, what was you know had you punch out? It was just one of those things where uh, you know. I, I was ready ready for my next opportunity and um, you know I thought about going to start another business I thought about going to a, a small startup again and and scaling it um, but being able to partner with VMG the premier private equity firm in the space and to build a better for you platform I think there are so many incredible brands in the space but not all of them need an entire marketing organization. They don't all need a finance and accounting department. They don't There's all economies need, of scale, right? They don't all need all of that back end infrastructure. And so we thought, let's buy, you know, an iconic brand. Let's buy the first better for you snack brand, which was Pop Chips, right? Which was you know before every every chip was fried, uh, and Pop Chips sort of changed the game in better for you, and use that as a platform use their distribution network as we go to scale this scale this platform so we acquired this business in october 2019 um you know and and worked to improve the margins right that's the that's the name of the game to make sure we had redundancy obviously the uh the pandemic hit and so things just changed uh everyone was focused on you know, supplying their customers and doing what needed to be done. Um, and now as we start to come out of that, the goal is to acquire seven to 10 other businesses, uh, brands in the space, uh, in, in both salty snacks, sweets and confectionery, so candy and cookies and nutrition bars and, and really build an entire platform of better for you products. Um, yeah. And and how did the acquisition of Pop Chips come about? You know, what what was what was that strategy? It it really was one of those like we we want something that's got a national footprint mm -hmm. that's got very high household awareness, right? Eighty nine percent of people know what Pop Chips is. Um, just so you know, like uh, you know, household penetration of even toilet paper is only ninety six percent. I don't know mm -hmm. who the other. Four percent are yeah seriously they're out <laughs> but, the uh, somewhere <laughs> but Organic. Um, so so <laughs> but but pop chips was just was sort of the perfect brand in that it had the distribution it had the awareness it had the uh 
it, it had the ability to, 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 to scale beyond itself. And there's such a value to that, to brand recognition. You know, when you think about from an acquisition standpoint, especially in uh, maybe a legacy brand and, 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 and reinventing that. But what did you learn from that acquisition? You know, was there a misstep along the way? Was there a key learning from that acquisition that you've taken forward with you every day in business? I mean, I think, I think part of what we, we learn every day is it's very different when a brand is a solo brand. And the systems and infrastructure that are that have been put in place for a single brand, when you're trying to convert that into um, a platform play, there's just so many more systems and processes and automation that you have to put into place so that uh, you do get those economies of scale and you can scale that business. So it's just it was a complete reshift of everything that was here uh, i mean it, it, it we changed everything yeah and and how have sales been since the uh acquisition i mean i think it, it it's obviously mixed right like obviously with the pandemic happening food service schools there's a lot of areas that were affected in a, schools in a, are a big market schools and food service Yes, individual like the the the, the non retail the wholesale packages. The non yes, but obviously on the other side, retail was was very strong, right? As people yeah, shift, people at home, they're not going out. out. They need to have their snacks at home. They're not going exactly. To the store. So that's so that's been that's that side of the business has been strong. So it's it's you know it's a mix. Um, my expectation is that as the world reopens, um, it'll stack. So the gains that we made in retail will hold, and then. Uh, you know, airports, food service, people Vending. going back to their offices, people buying at bodegas, all that business we were expecting to return. Interesting. What's your favorite uh, snack in the, in the entire portfolio? Whew. Um, we, we've recently launched um, a couple of new things, and uh, uh, we've launched this Age White Cheddar Pop Chips. Mm. and. It is incredible, and and it's it's crazy to me. Pop chips have been around for such a long time, but there was no cheddar flavor, which is frankly the number two flavor in the category uh, behind salt. And it is unbelievable. Um, and then also one of our new pieces of innovation is we've launched um, a better for you corn chip. So um, and it's not fried, uh, which is Baked. pretty rare. Uh, no, it's air popped, uh, which is sort of what pop makes chip. pop chips uh, famous. But, yeah. you know, you, people are used to eating these Fritos. And with this product, it is it's like four times as much volume and it's so much less fat. I think it's a quarter of the fat. It's just an incredible product. Um, I've heard of that. Yeah. We'll That's get you exactly. some, Adam. We'll get you, you some. I appreciate it. I know, I know a guy. Um, are there any industries outside of snack food, maybe even CPG in general, that you personally feel you'd like to get involved with? So I think, you know, I, I, I just love the entire space, right? I think, I think food and Bev in general, it's just where I've, I've sort of stayed and, and, and I, I work with a number of brands, but I think, uh, you know, I think they're very different. Like I think beverages are just a completely different animal. Uh, you know, it's just a lot Very. of, you know, from vitamin water, right? Like you just, it, it's, it's a lot of just DSDs. It's a lot, it's just very different, uh, than food, but it's, it's all, you know, at the end of the day, all of it is dependent on 
Can you get the right consumer? Can you get right the right velocities and the pull through? Right, you have to have the right product first and foremost, um, and then everything else sort of comes together. I want to go back a little bit, and you and I have talked offline about this. Uh, you know, working with your, your your passion for startups and advising them, and very serious standpoint on the dangers of taking funding from any outside sources, especially before that five million mark. If you could unpack that a little bit and give some advice to some founders, some people looking to enter this space, why that is so critical? Uh, because you know, a lot of them they they get friends and family rounds, or and they need that cash. But why should they do everything they can to resist? I think people don't real people think that raising money is you know you see it in the news, right? It's like oh, this brand raised five million, this brand raised five hundred thousand, this brand raised eight hundred million, and everyone seems to think that these the fundraisers are the end game. But in my opinion, the fundraiser is the beginning, right? And now you have a responsibility to your investors. They've also taken a great piece of the upside. Oh, yeah. And that's the part that people don't pay attention to, right? They don't understand preferences and liquidation preferences and preferred and uh, participating preferred and, and just ways that they might lose out. I think also getting that cash early makes makes people spend money I was about to say it's a false for, safety for lack of margin it makes them compensate right like you you spend ahead of your means and then sometimes it's just then you get into this cycle and i think that's the other other side of fundraising is once you start fundraising i believe you are now in the fundraising game you're not in the cpg game you're not right the so every, you're losing focus on that product and the customer Exactly. So all you're focusing on is the next raise, the next raise, the raise after that, the raise after that versus let me get the right products. Let me figure out who my consumers are. Let me start selling it to them. Let me make all the improvements I need to do. Let me let me start scaling the business and then I don't get quite as much dilution. I don't have to go through seven or eight or ten rounds and, and end up with a very small piece of the business. Um and also you lose control. You lose control of what you want to do. It, 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 it's, it's not worth it, it's a, but it's a tough game because especially in the food, beverage, or anytime you're developing a physical product, especially a food, there's costs and you need money for R&D, production, scaling, sourcing. Correct. So it's a double-edged sword. I, I, well, I mean, I think it, it always... <laughs> No one's going to give you money just for an idea. I mean, uh, uh, well, that's not true. Sometimes you can get money for just an idea. But most of the time, what I've seen in the space is the, the founders put up some money to start the product, right? Start, and I think especially in this, this e-com world, right, especially during pandemic and post-pandemic, it is a lot easier to get your products out than it used to be. You used to have to pay slotting, work with retailers, give them free product, you know, pay a lot of money to get it out there. Now, you know, these algorithms for social media platforms allow you to find the right consumer and mm -hmm. allow you to, to get that trial, get them to start buying that product from you. So I don't actually, I think world. a lot of new brands can be built on a lot with a lot less capital um, than they so, could have in the past. Hey Tribe, quick break in the action to introduce you to one of my close podcast friends, Hala Taha, and her show, The Young and Profiting Podcast. She interviews the brightest minds in the world, like former spies, on how to gain influence, 
billionaires on biohacking your body, and even celebrities like Matthew McConaughey on what it's really like behind the scenes. At Yap, they go deep. There's no fluff on this podcast, and Hala asks all the right questions. You can listen at youngandprofiting.com or search for Young and Profiting on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or your favorite podcast app. Now, back to the action on the podcast. So what's the plan? Like, let's, let's riff on that for a moment there. You know, reintroducing Pop Chicks, legacy, legacy brand. It's been there a while. What's the plan to utilize social media to get it in front of more folks from a brand awareness standpoint to ultimately drive them to purchase? Well, I, I would say like that's one of those areas that we've, we've spent this, this last 18 months really improving, right? We, we didn't have our own .com until very recently, right? There was no uh, popchips.com? There was a popchips.com, but you couldn't buy any product from it. Right. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a DTC site. It was just information. Exactly. Right. right. And then, and then we would route people just to, to Amazon, right. Which is what a lot of brands do. I think that not being in, there's so many platforms now, right. There's thrive market, there's hungry root. There's so many ways of getting your products through, through e-com out to consumers that, um, a lot of these brands are now just being built D to C, right. I think, I think not Nut Pods is an incredible example. Um, Super I don't coffee. know if you know that. Well, Super uh, Coffee's in retail also. That's not a good example. N- Nut Pods, which is a, a non-dairy creamer, they built that entire business before it went into retail uh, as a D2C brand. And that's not, that's, that's not a brand you would normally think of like, hey, I'm going to get my uh, alt creamers online. Yeah, you but, never uh, think of that, but they use social media to get in front of your face and they talk about all the positive attributes. And, and they've done an incredible job. And I think, I think that's, that's the future way of making sure that you, you build the following. And then when you get into retail, you can bring that following to retail. Yeah. Let's talk about, you know, 2021, we have so many health, con- I mean, every, I feel like, like, I, are there any junk, like real good junk food brands coming out? Like I occasionally see it, like when I go to CVS or something, I'll see a candy bar or something. I'll be like, and, but it's, it's, it's two old bars coming together. They're collaborations. Like I'll see an M&M's and like some crazy chocolate bar come together collaborations. But like, are there any new, like good junk food? Like we don't give a shit about the sugar, the health. This is just going to be some crazy, you know, guilt, you know, ridden uh, snack. Like are people still making like unhealthy snacks or is it all just healthy? I mean, I, I look, I think you've got your, 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 your traditional, yeah, traditional, you know, CPGs cranking out plenty of that stuff. But I think, you know, consumers are getting smarter about things, right? And even if I want my junk food, I'm going to eat it either A, in moderation, or B, I still want it to have some benefits, right? And, you, and I think an easy way of saying that is people used to have all these milk chocolate bars. Now they've, okay, dark chocolate's a little healthier. Okay, now I want something replaced with a little less sugar, or I want it replaced with, I want a little right. more functional, right? And I think you've seen that as 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 you know confectionery has has kind of declined a little bit and people have moved towards you know nutrition bars uh which i think are a pretty good substitute uh yeah. with some real benefits what's your what's your guilty pleasure candy or snack oh man i i i have a sweet tooth i have a sweet yeah, tooth too, i love the junk um i, I mean i i've been what's snacking on uh, what's your go-to I've been eating all my kids' Cadbury eggs. <laughs> all right. Easter. 
I knew, I knew, I knew, wait, let, let's riff on this. I knew you and I were connected for a reason. A, once a year, and I don't go for the Halloween eggs. I don't do the Reese's eggs. No, no, it's, that's, it's, that's, it's, no way. The no beginning, way. When, when I see that first egg of the season, it's usually around, okay. it's right after Valentine's Day. They clear the Valentine's and then the eggs are right there. Here's a, here's a question. Room temperature or from the fridge? Oh, and why? Room, and and why? A little more than a little warmer than room temperature. I want it melty, like when it just melts and ooey in your mouth. I've never frozen it or from the Not, fridge. I, I'm okay with the fridge, but I'm with you on the meltiness. That's part of the experience because it's like an egg that you're eating the gross yolk out of, but it's sugary, whatever that is. And here's the thing. The challenge of taking the wrapper off, that's a real skill on the Cadbury egg. I think they do it on purpose where there's certain pieces that just automatically stick to the freaking – you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm saying here, and your hands are covered. I, and, and you, I know exactly what you're And you don't about. want somebody watching you. You never want somebody – like, it's, like, it's not like I'm eating a nice like steak dinner here. Like It's a gross eating activity, a Cadbury egg. Like, I agree. And like, and I, I, I kind of feel like a little animal too when I, when I get it. I'm like, no one's looking. And I'm like – and I'm like – it's it's terrible. So we we digress here on the podcast, but this is what it's no, all about. No, but I, I, I think it's a it, look. It's an experience. It's experiential. It's an experience, and I also think that look, people still are going to indulge, right? People they put a million of them on the end cap of this freaking CVS. Like I, wait, quick quick funny story. This is probably uh, three weeks ago. Um, CVS right here around my office. I had to get something, and I had this shopping cart, and the wheel was kind of messed up, and I was like looking down at the wheel, and I wasn't looking. And I knocked into the end cap of the Cadbury eggs. I swear to God, it was like a thousand eggs just flew on. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I want to be a good person. I want to pick them up. And then the, the CVS guy came over and I helped them. He's like, you don't have to. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. help you. I knocked it over. I'm not a dick, you know, like, and then, and then like, as, as he's doing it, I start eating them. No, I didn't do that. No, right? Like, don't worry, I'll clean them up. I'll clean them up. Were you like one in the cart, one on the shelf, one, one in the cart? One for you, one for me. <laughs> exactly. I was like a chipmunk with with Cadbury eggs in there, but I, I I digress here. But it's there's that experience, and I think that's what consumers relate to. There, there there's certain nostalgia with certain foods. There's certain occasion based eating. I mean, look at the Super Bowl. I mean, the Super Bowl fuels us. I would guess at least. Fifty percent of all chips and salsas are sold during the Super Bowl and football playoffs. Is it that is a fair a huge, stat? A huge season. It is, <laughs> so to to be yes, February is huge huge snacking season. Super Bowl is a is a season, right? You go to the grocery store. There the are displays. There's everything, right? Yes, it's it, it's all done up there. So what like. When you're looking at a brand to acquire, what are some of those key attributes aside from the financials? Let's put the financials aside. I ain't into that nerd finance money talk right now. <laughs> but from, a, from, a, from a brand perspective, what are you looking for? What are those check marks? It, it, has to, it has to serve a need. It has to have an emotional connectivity to consumers, right? It, it, we, we don't want something that's just a me too. We want something that's mm -hmm. a little special, um, something that, that serves a purpose, that's functional, um, but I'm going to be honest, it's got to have those margins, margins, got to have those margins or, yeah. or there's got to be a path for us to find a way for it to, you know, maybe, maybe we have the, we can produce it in our facility right. for a better cost than they have, or we can source it, you know, things like nice. that. But, but yeah, it's got to make sense from a margin perspective. Otherwise it's not going to work. What would you, what advice would you give for anybody who's looking to get into this industry? That's a good question. Um, I I think you got to move fast. You got to break things. 
And you've got to be fiercely defiant of the status quo. I think that that's the only way. I think a million people are going to tell you, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. It's been done this way or that. But I think you got to make your own path um, at some point. And that's great. And that's, and that's great advice for, for almost anything. Right. For, for, I mean, that's just, that's just solid advice. Um, how involved are you in the, in the hiring process in your company? I'm, I'm exceptionally, I'm exceptionally involved. I, I interview every, every person I get, I get some time with. Um, I think it's really important. Um, I sort of have a couple of philosophies on hiring. And, and the first is if I can do your job better than you, you shouldn't work for me. I shouldn't be able to do anyone's job. Um, and then, you know, I, I also like to make sure that they understand the, you know, all the issues of what they're coming into, right? I never try and trick anyone to come and work for me and say, this is all roses and puppies and rainbows, right? It's like, here's the, and all. Yeah, here's the issues that you're going to be facing in your job. Here's what we're expecting you to fix. And here's what you're expecting you to improve. Um, I'm also brutally honest. I think some people are beat around the bush. Uh, I just give it to people straight up, right? So I, I always say like, from from me in terms of feedback, I pull no punches. But radical candor. You know, but then I'll get in the trench with them and and fix the problem and and then we put it behind them. You know, it's good, and, it's good leadership. Um, what do you have like a go to interview question? I have real, a few. Well, well, let me yeah. let me let me take that back yeah. a step. Um, by the time someone gets to you, their skills for the most part are, are assessed through the, through the line. So assuming when someone gets to you. You're really looking for the for the culture. You're looking for that vibe and and character. What is a go to question that you have? Because it's hard in in thirty forty five minutes an hour even to try to ascertain someone's character if they're good enough at a level to join your organization. I mean, what what is that? What are those lines of questions to get to that? So I'll tell you what I'm looking for is resourcefulness. Number one skill set: resourcefulness. Will you figure out? how to solve these problems that are that we're facing figure it by going over under around are you curious are you mentally curious about improving right again we do not accept complacency i do not accept the status quo i don't accept negligence and are you willing to speak up so I, what i try and do is find smart people who will disagree with me and so i have a i have a a method uh, that we implement uh, basically in every organization that I've been a part of. So it, I call it the ambush. So if you have a good idea and your supervisor won't listen to you, your job is to convince three other people that you're right and they're wrong. And then those four people are supposed to ambush you. And you know that if four people are sticking their necks out, you're required to listen to them. And, and I've had my mind changed. I think every single person uh, who's been in an ambush has had their mind changed. It doesn't necessarily mean everything gets changed, right? But at least, you know, because sometimes the original idea was, was half-baked. It was an idea. Right. You, they hadn't talked to other departments. But it by the time someone, some, yeah, it flushes out the real topic. But I would say that eight, eight out of ten times, it, it impacts. It makes an impact and it creates change, which is really what I'm looking for. I lo I love I absolutely love that approach. And what's a what's a what's a deal breaker for you in an interview? 
I think people who just want to stay in their lanes, you know, put their head down and not, you know, at least, at least, you know, for, for some really big CPG companies, you want people who are just doing their job and not, not sort of looking outside of their zone, right? Right. There's individual contributors, want- right? There's certain yeah. roles that are, you know, your finance guy, you don't need him twiddling around in production. Well, I shouldn't say that because maybe he has an idea based on financial perspective. That's different. And so I, I always look for people who are, again, who are smart, mentally curious and willing to, willing to speak up and impact change, right? So if all you want to do is sit back, do your job and not not really say anything or be involved with things like that's not going to work right i also look one of the things that i will, will not accept is people who will not be ac- accountable and responsible for the mistakes that they make right i don't care if you make mistakes we're all going to make mistakes but do do not do not push that those things under the rug right you got to you got to be honest about when i screw up i we do all hands meetings i'm like guys that was my call. I blew it. I screwed up. I'm sorry. I, I created like 50 hours of extra work for this team or this team. And I'm, I'm really sorry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll try not to let and it happen again. And, the, and those are strong leadership traits. But let me ask you a question. Uh, what is what is one of the biggest mistakes you made early on as you've climbed the corporate ladder into a true leadership, you know, top of the top? What's one of those really tough lessons that you had to learn the hard way? Uh, I, I would say that the, the toughest mistake I made in the past was hiring based off of resume and not based off of um, uh, what's the word? Um, um, <laughs> like actual attitude, attitude, right? Like just thinking someone can do all of the things uh, based on their resume. Um, they don't tell and, the whole story. It doesn't tell the whole story, right? No, and I, I, I will absolutely take someone who is willing to do any job uh, over someone who is purely "quote unquote" strategic. Um, Love it. You know, I, I want doers, right? I want people. I think I, I hire like uh, player coaches. I think that's really important. If all you want to do is is be a coach, you know, it, it won't usually work out in in any of my organizations because. Uh, I think people get too far removed from where the problems really are, right? You have to do the work. The world is changing so fast. If you just think the inf- the knowledge you had 20 years ago is still <laughs> useful, it's really not anymore. Yeah. Let's uh, let's quickly touch on the on the on the pandemic. How have you kept? I, I assume everybody has gone remote for the most part, like inside of production facilities, and you're handling that. But how how have you kept the energy and culture alive? You know, with everyone being remote. So this is where I told my team I was completely wrong. I was an office guy. I, I like my whole career was like everyone's got to be in the office. That's where the magic is. That's where ideas, you know, float around. It's it's where all the magic is, right? And the pandemic has shown me that that's not true, right? Of course, production is production, right? You got to run a plant. That the people in there have to be, you know, on the line. Uh, we do what we can to, you know, help them minimize risk for them. Um, but I would say from an office perspective, we, we do a couple of things. One is we do pr- very regular all hands uh, meetings. Um, you know, when the pandemic started, it was, it was we, you know, no one knew what was going on. And so they were nearly daily. 
and then now there's still three days a week. And, um, and what we do is we let people share. So we have, we have some that's free flowing where mm-hmm. I lead a discussion. Right. We have different department heads talk about what's going on, wins and losses. But then also we have each person go and present about themselves. And it can be anything they want. It can be a hobby. It can be their life story. They can do it in any format. Like a book report? Basically about themselves. Yeah. And it's been amazing. It. Like some it's people learning made... stuff about people that you didn't know. That's how you bring them together. And, and what I said when we started this was I think it would have taken me years to, to, to learn about each person just through water cooler talk, right? It's fascinating but, stuff you learn. But, but, you know, we've got a guy who's in a dance crew and he's showing us his videos and it's unbelievable. Like he is unbelievable. We had someone put together a video and it was amazing. And, and, you know, we have some traditional CPG people like, you know, and I did this too, where I just did a PowerPoint presentation. Right. And it. some people just talked it out, but <laughs> it was a really good way. You know, you know, you now know who your dog people are, you know, who your oh, cat yeah. people are, you know, the kids uh, people are. Hundred percent, and I, you know, and just it was a way of bringing people together. My team, you know, th- my team is a little different than I think most companies where you slowly add people over time, right? We 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 came in, started VSB, and we just we hired a bunch of people who had yeah, never worked together. Um, and how did how do you get them to communicate and connect? And 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 that that really went a long way uh, versus letting people stay in their silos. Um, it, it really went a long way and we play games too. Like we've done Jeopardy. We've done, we've yeah, done a bunch of other things to keep, keep, keep it, try, try and keep it social. We did, we do Friday happy hours, which have slowed down a little bit, but, um, you, you got to find ways of getting people to connect with each other. That's awesome. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. So let, let, let's bring it home here. And I love asking this question, especially to accomplished senior level executives like yourself, Amit. What is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? Whew, that's a great, that's a, that's a great um, question. And it's, and it's my, it's my masterclass because I, I ask everybody this and I compile it and that's my master's degree. Now it's almost PhD <laughs> level at this point. I would say that no job is beneath any of us. I'll do any job. I'll wipe counters. I'll clean, you know, I'll take out the trash if it needs to be done. We're all rowing in the boat together. So all efforts help. And I think that I, I think when people start to believe that they're better than each other, then I think the world is just not as good in a good place and the company is not in as good a place. So I, I really do believe that no job is beneath any of us is, is really Agreed. something I try and live by every single day. That's, that's such good advice. And, and looking back, I mean, what would you say has been your greatest professional accomplishment so far? I, you know, it's, it, it's funny. I, I, I'm one of those guys where I, I never, my, my team will tell you like, they say, Amit, you're never satisfied. I said, I'm always happy, but I'm never satisfied because I always think you can do more. I always think you can do better. I I don't necessarily think I've I've, I've got a, a top one thing. I think I I think what inspires me is the team I work with every day and and being able to help people 
you know, if, if there's something they don't understand or there's something I can do to support them, whether it's within this company or, or without. But I, I, I very much believe in in paying it forward. I mean, even this morning, there was someone who called and uh, she, she was introduced to me and she's like looking for a job. So I'm going to talk to you about her. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to her. And she's got an MBA and she wants to become a brand manager. And she's like, you know, what do you think about big companies versus small companies? And I, again, I think, I think for, for all of us, it's, it's really about trying to help each other. Absolutely. And, and last but not least, right, you look back on your career and your life and you look at those tough times, uh, you know, tough business decisions, tough people decisions that you've had to make people. And you have to, you know, really, truly dig down deep and harness that tenacity to pull you up and forward. And on the flip side of it, when you want to show gratitude, when you're thankful for the life and the career and the businesses that you built. Ahmed Pandey, what is your North Star? I think it's the people. I mean, uh, it, 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 it always goes back to the people, right? Like without the people, you have nothing, right? You'd have an empty facility. You wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have the, the brilliance. You wouldn't have the passion. You wouldn't have the customers. I, I always, the North Star for me is always, always take care of the people, always do the human thing, right? I think Sometimes you get into these organizations and it's just treating everyone like a number. And I just don't, I just don't do that. Right. Like if we have problems or we have issues, I I'll, I do one-on-ones with anybody and everyone. And I think that, um, I think that that's the, for me, that's what, that's what drives me every day. Like that's, I'm excited every Sunday night to go to work on Monday. And that, and that's because I get to work with the people I get to work with. And, and I think if that ever stops being fun, then, then, you know, then it's time to hang it up. But uh, my North Star is just always the team. Always put them, always put them first. And they'll, you know, they'll always put your customers first. And at the end of the day, then, you know, everything sort of comes together. Well said, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I think that there, you shared a lot. I think there's a lot of gold in what you discussed. I think there's so much insight, you know, not just the CPG and the snacks category specifically, but talking about leadership, talking about how you build teams, your approach to, to, to leading and building and interviewing, which is critical because that's what I want people to understand. Like what, what, is, what, what are senior level executives looking for? And I love that you're, you know, nothing's beneath you, right? You could, that is real, true leadership. And I appreciate you. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, 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 I'm pretty much there all the time. Um, you know, just, I, I think that's a great place to connect. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not really on the other platforms. Just don't have the time to do not all a of TikToker. Them. <laughs> I hate, I no, hate, I hate TikTok. I'm not. My, that's, my, that's my daughter's world. She's a master of it. We'll leave it there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm still a little more traditional. <laughs> Jeez, traditional. Um, yeah, come find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's it, pretty easy to find. Get a hold of me. Good stuff, Ahmed. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Hang with me for a moment here. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Awesome, and thank you to everyone joining us today. I really hope that you found a ton of gold in this conversation. If you did. A like, a share, a comment, a review, and a rating goes a really long way. You could find more amazing episodes like this one at thepodcast.com. You know all our social media channels. Go out there and buy some pop chips. Help this business here. Take care of each other. Stay six feet apart. And catch us next week.
for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.